listening to First Church Charlotte. In Jesus' name we pray. Somebody say in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. So I want to talk to you for just a few moments here tonight on fasting and the spiritual man. Now, I am aware that we are a a diverse uh, audience in terms of gender. We're not just men. And it is very much the habit of, say, the King James and the older translations to refer to mankind and shorten it as man, spiritual man. So uh, I want you to forgive me that and think of mankind as a universal. We all of us have within us a spiritual appeal by God to pursue him, to know him. Uh, The Bible says, speaking for the Lord, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man would uh, hear my voice, if any man would choose to open up, then what would happen? The Lord would come in and he would fellowship and he would, uh, to use that term of the past to sup to to share dinner with you it's almost like this image of of jesus walking and there is uh, zacchaeus and he's in a sycamore tree and the lord looks at him and sees his interest and the lord says to him zacharias zacharias come down i'm going to your house today for lunch the lord invites himself it's almost as though in our lives uh, the lord stands at the door and knocks and we choose how spiritual we are going to live And so I want to challenge you here tonight. I want to give you some biblical uh, overview and understanding of fasting. And then I want to say a few words about the challenge, the ongoing challenge for us to be spiritual in our lifestyle, spiritual in our personal habits, spiritual in our worldviews, spiritual in our personal philosophies. And so if you will hear me just for a few moments, I will try to be brief, but I also will try to be pointed and so let's let's get started and let's start with prayer. Lord, would you speak through us here tonight? Would you allow these words to somehow resonate in our hearts and lives and let us grow from them and be changed by them? In Jesus' name we pray. And somebody say amen. amen. All right. So very quickly, I want to give you an overview of fasting in the scripture. I am not going to do uh, in-depth, line by line, uh, crossing every T and dotting every uh, I, but I do want to give you a, a survey so to speak, of fasting in the Bible. And I want to perhaps surprise you by saying something that you may not have thought of. As a communicator, I love facts or insights that are a surprise because, as you know, you will tend to remember something that surprises you. Whereas if it's something you sort of kind of already knew, you will just kind of daydream through it. So I want to surprise you with something that perhaps you have not thought about very much, and that is there is more teaching in the New Testament on fasting than there is for repentance or even confession. You see, that's a surprise, isn't it? It certainly surprised me. There's actually more teaching and more reference to fasting even than there is to repentance. And uh, that doesn't mean fasting is more important than repentance. I personally believe uh, fasting is, excuse me, repentance is necessary and part of our the right approach of our 
sinful hearts to God. I think repentance is absolutely necessary. I, as an individual, want to live a life of repentance. I, I repent every day. And if you think to yourself, well, that's probably because he has lots to repent for, I would tell you that is the truth. I have every day lots to repent for. And we all do, whether we admit it or not. And so I'm, I want to have an attitude of repentance. You see, I don't know my own heart. If anyone tells you they know their own heart, they are speaking beyond the scripture because the scripture makes us to understand that our hearts are wicked and they are, they are difficult to know. doesn't mean you're a bad person by human standards. You can be very good by human standards. You can be a very good neighbor. You can be a very good employee, a very good parent. And by human standards, uh, you're, you're a very good person. But But the point of the writer is to show how we can err in our own self-interest. This is not just a spiritual idea. This has been shown uh, in psychological tests. People are challenged to do math and then their mistakes are counted and uh, this surprising truth came out. People make genuine mistakes in their own favor more than they do against their own favor genuine mistakes. They did not intend to do it, but their own whatever, there's this inclination within us. If we're not careful of our heart, we care more about our own needs and our own wishes and our own wants, and we administrate grace more liberally to ourselves than to others. We judge ourselves by what we intended and others by how it appeared. So our hearts have to be softened by the presence of God. Can I have a big amen? Our hearts have to be softened. We have to to pursue the presence of God. Our own inclinations and our own personal philosophies is not enough. We must be spirit-led. We must be biblically based. And we must be spirit-directed. So in the New Testament, although fasting is mentioned, And talked about more than repentance. I don't want to suggest it's more important. Uh, I simply want to give you something that you will remember. Uh, Jesus taught more on fasting than he did on baptism. Uh, That's a surprise, isn't it? Uh, I certainly wouldn't have thought that. Now, we're not saying that it's more important than baptism. I personally do not believe it is. I believe baptism is a sacrament whereby we take upon us the grace of God's spiritual restoration and our sins are remitted. They are, we're forgiven for our sins at repentance, but the mess is cleaned up at baptism. And, And you guys know that I believe that. I am certainly not mentioning that for the first time, Uh, but I want you to see how fasting is quite common in the scripture, and it is something that is shown on regular occasions. I want to very quickly give you a survey of fasting in the Old Testament. The only fast commanded by Moses was the Day of Atonement. You can read about it in Leviticus 16, also Leviticus 23 or Numbers 29. Uh, It was the 10th day of the seven month, and it 
it wasn't necessarily called fasting. Uh, it was thought of more as the affliction of one's soul. And we understand that to be fasting by their their standard of worship. Uh, Psalm 69 and 10 tells us, uh, chastened my soul with fasting. They're referring to that principle that was part of the preparation and celebration of the Day of Atonement. Also in Acts 27, the term fast refers to the day, the day of atonement. It's also shown in other places where in Judges 20, Israel, all of Israel fasted at Bethel before the war with the Benjaminites. Also in the war with the Philistines in 1 Samuel 7, uh, David wept and fasted after his transgression that God would have mercy upon his son in 2 Samuel 12. The psalmist mentions fasting because he is oppressed by his enemies and he needs deliverance, Psalms 35, uh, and on and on and on. When Moses fasted 40 days in Deuteronomy chapter number 9, he was desiring for forgiveness for the transgressions and sins of the children of Israel. Uh, when they mourned uh, loved ones, they would fast as part of their mourning. Uh, Ahab fasted in 1 Kings as part of his repentance. Nineveh fasted at the preaching of Jonah. Daniel fasted as he confessed the sins of Israel. Uh, and on and on. When there was danger, they would fast and distress their soul. Jehoshaphat fasts and Second Chronicles when threatened by the armies of Edom. Ezra led a fast in seeking God's favor toward uh, the return of the exiles, the journey. It was a dangerous journey and he needed God's blessing. And so he fasted before that in Ezra uh, chapter number 8. Uh, Nehemiah fasted when he heard the state of Jerusalem. The Jews fasted when they heard that Haman had obtained a king's decree against them. Mordecai and Esther fasted. On and on we could go. And you see a purpose of afflicting their souls and ensuring that they were taking their circumstances seriously. I want you all to understand fasting is not for God. Fasting is for us. Fasting is not about changing God. Fasting is about changing us. The most common fast in the scripture were not extended fasts of days, but they uh, were what we would refer to modernly as intermittent fasts, where you fast, say, uh, all uh, from sunrise to sunset, and then you eat after sunset. Uh, Most common biblical fast is from sunrise to sunset. Uh, A fast could be one night. You see that in Daniel chapter number 6. The fast of Esther when the people were threatened with extinction uh, and genocide. The fast of Esther um, and Esther 4 was for three days, day and night. Uh, It seems like at the burial of Saul uh, by Jabesh uh, Gilead, it was seven days, 1 Samuel 31. David fasted seven days. The longest fasts in scripture are shown... uh, Uh, by Moses, Elijah, and Jesus. All of them fasted 40 days. 
grace. I have, I know many Christians who have fasted uh, 40 days. I, I should restate that. I do not know many Christians who have fasted 40 days. I know a handful of Christians who have fasted 40 days. It's a very serious uh, thing, and without correct care, you can die from a fast like that. Uh, I have a good friend who, for many years, destroyed his health because he fasted for a 21-day fast and then broke it on Mexican food, and it damaged it seriously. I mean, for months and years, it damaged his his uh, stomach, um, and he 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 had troubles he would not have had. I, that is not what I'm recommending. Uh, these kind of fasts are at the outside. They're, they're outliers, those extended fasts. That is not what I am trying to get uh, us to do. Those of you who might be at a place in your life where a fast like that was appealing to you, or you felt like you needed, uh, I, I would want you to take very serious care before doing such a thing, and I want you to make sure you know why you're doing it, and you are not simply impatient or wounded. Uh, If you go on a fast simply because you're wounded um, by circumstances, pain, setback, rejection, those are not uh, the best of reasons to fast, and they can increase the pain and the suffering of what you're going through. It needs to be very much a spiritually ordained thing, and I know this is not, this is a more advanced subject, a spiritual subject that we're talking about here tonight, but as a church, we need to think about these things. We need to have this element of serving God, not just milk for babies, but meat for adults. Can I have an amen? And so um, most fasts should be of uh, a shorter, safer variety, Um, but I want to encourage all of you to find a way of fasting. Even if all you do is uh, taking some element of um, carnality out of your life. Now, not all carnality is sin. Carnality is just life. Um, Working your job, it's not a spiritual job. It's a carnal job, but you need that job. So it's carnal. Uh, It's not sin. Uh, When you do some project around your house, it's not a spiritual project. You didn't build that deck for spiritual reasons. It was a project. There's nothing wrong with it. It's a good thing, but it's of this world. It's, it's, It's carnal, not sinful, carnal. So much of our life is assumed by the carnal. That it behooves us to take time in our life to set aside the carnal and say, I'm taking some time and I'm going to discipline myself and I am going to take time to pray. I'm going to take time to fast and I am going to make sure I am not just a holiday sunshine Christian. We must be people of high commitment. I want to challenge every one of you here today to be people of high commitment. Do not think this church is looking for a shortcut out of commitment. Do not think this preacher or this pastor is trying to build a congregation of lackadaisical, low-commitment people. We must believe we have a calling and we have a mission, and that calling is beyond us. We have a harvest field that is the reason why the Lord has tarried. I believe one day the Lord will catch his people away. But until that day comes, we are here for a reason and a purpose. There is something that we as a church encourage people toward that very few other churches are encouraging them toward. That is that book of Acts experience in their own life. Other churches are not our enemy. They're doing what they do. But as a church, 
church. The main thing for us is if the Lord will so grant us and the Lord will so bless us, we want to see the continuation of the book of Acts in this city for such a time as this. That's what we want. We want to see the miraculous. That is not a sign that we're powerful. Miracles don't make us powerful. It's not about us. It's about the name of the Lord Jesus Christ being glorified in a community. It's about a testimony that everyone can say and say, man, these signs shall follow them that believe. Lord, granted at this church, I pray, let us be hungry for your spirit. Let us pursue your anointing. And can the whole church say amen? And so we want to be hungry for the things of God. Uh, So many things in our life aren't bad in and of themselves, but they can be bad when they supplant and replace the spiritual necessities of our soul. There's there's, there's nothing wrong with sports. I I know a lot of people uh, at times have have thought that there was. And um, look, it's... But it can be bad. Do you see what I'm saying? In itself, it's just a thing that people do. it's, it's a hobby. It's, it's an enjoyment. But when you make an idol out of that thing, it can be underwater basket weaving. But when you make an idol out of it, it gets out of balance in your life. And you hopefully have a church family and some spiritual mentors and hopefully even a pastor in your life who can preach in such a way to challenge you to get back to the main thing being the main thing. Someone to challenge you. Look, all that's fine. All that's good. That's not the main thing. We are pilgrims and strangers here on this earth. We are not just like other people that we have a similar career to. We're not just like other uh, neighborhood people in our neighborhood that they just think this, you know, they're whatever. We want to be spiritual people. We want to pursue the presence of God in our life. We don't want to just pray enough. We want to pray more than just for ourselves. We We want to pray enough to keep ourselves right, and we want to pray enough to hold up somebody else's arms in spiritual intercession. That's who we want to be. We, we, we are not simply looking to do the minimum amount. You know, uh, of all the spiritual disciplines, the one most talked about is prayer. Do you know we have over 2,000 scriptures where we are instructed, commanded, uh, exampled, uh, uh, shown, manifest prayer. Prayer should suffuse every part of our life. Men ought always to pray and not to faint. But I, I don't know any church that sets a a minimum requirement of prayer. Maybe we should. Maybe I should set a minimum of requirement of prayer. I don't know if that's the right way to go about it, but this is what I want you to know. We must have within our heart a passion for the things of God. We must have a zeal, a longing. God, I don't want more of this world. I don't want more of this world. I want to have I want to have a good career. I've been broken down on the side of the road. I don't want to be broken down on the side of the road. I want to be able to pay my light bill. It's a terrible thing when I have to, you know, call some of you guys up and have you pay my light bill. I mean, Dewan gets mad at me every time I send him my light bill. That's a good idea. Uh, that 
gives me some ideas. I'm going to talk to your wife after service. She's the one with the money. So <laughs> she's like my wife, unfortunately. So you, you, you see what I'm saying here? We as a church, we don't just need more of this world. We don't need more Panthers. Panthers are a sports team. God bless them. I hope they win this year. We don't need more Panthers, but we need more of the Holy Ghost in our life and in our heart. Our, our student ministry needs more of the power of God. Our Sunday school classes need more of the power of God. Our altar services needs more of the power of God. I hope, to, I hope our basketball team does good. God bless them. I hope they do a great job. But hear me, we don't need more basketball. We're a church. And if the church isn't hungry for God, then who's going to be hungry for God? If people, uh, if, if, if people of the name aren't hungry for God, then who's going to be hungry for God? I can't expect Madison Avenue to be hungry for God. They're selling things. I can't expect Wall Street to be hungry for God. They're buying things. It's the job of the church to say, if my people which are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, then I will hear from heaven. Then I will hear their land. I'm hungry. I'm hungry. Say it with me. I'm hungry. I'm hungry. I want more of you, Lord Jesus. I want more of you, Lord Jesus. I want more of you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. So I could go on and on and show you the passages in the New Testament. Jesus fasting in the wilderness in Matthew 4. Jesus teaching on fasting in Matthew 6. Questioned by John's disciples in Matthew 9. The combined power of prayer and fasting in Matthew 17. And then the church in Antioch, Acts 13. And the churches in Galatia, Acts 14. And fasting as a mark of apostolic ministry in 2 Corinthians 6, 2 Corinthians 11. Also, uh, Paul's statement that he, he wanted to see fasting in the, in the life of others in 1 Corinthians 7. All of these things are uh, shown to us. We have example from Anna, examples of uh, Apostle Paul in Acts 9, Cornelius in Acts 10, and on and on we have. But uh, there's really only one way that we that we get fasting very, very wrong, and that is when we use it as a method of, of promoting our perceived spirituality. The Lord very much uh, rebukes, rebukes that kind of an attitude where someone uses fasting as a way to be more, shall we say, spiritual than other people. That's not the will of God. Um, you can see this and you can see the rebuke that Jesus offers the Pharisees who make a point of their fasting as a way of exalting themselves over, over others. And uh, we cannot be guilty of being seen, of fasting to be seen of men. Um, we cannot do it for show. Jesus rebuked the Pharisees for uh, announcing their fasts. Um, I, I have made a point in my life. I have never once told this church about the details of a fast I was doing. I was once, uh, uh, someone uh, teased me about that. And what they were really trying to tease me about is how I'm not, you're not a very good faster yourself. You're not, and because what he was used to was, you know, the pastor saying, oh, I'm finishing up a 10-day fast, my God. And as I stared at that last biscuit, 
on the tenth day, and I, I was really ready to kick the dog. I was so hungry that moment. I peered out of heaven, Moses and Elijah, and they were arguing over who to vote for for president. You know, <laughs> um, I've never once told the church the details of my specific fasts, um, and the reason why is because I'm just as susceptible to to doing it for uh, others as anybody is. I, I am just as much, and God hates that. I didn't say God dislikes that. I said God hates that. Uh, in fact, in fact, the whole story that is shown, there's one passage, I don't know if I need to get into it tonight, um, but there's this one passage in the Old Testament, in the book of Isaiah, where the, the Lord, uh, speaking through the prophet Isaiah, um, really, really uh, talks about how this... <laughs> He basically rejects the fast of the children of Israel, and he says, "Look, you, 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 you try to do everything right, but you've missed my, you've missed my heart. Uh, you, you, you seek after righteousness. I think it's, I can't remember exact chapter right now, but it's in the, the latter half of Isaiah, where he, this very thing is dealt with. Also in the Pharisees, we we can't do it as a status symbol. There, there can be no uh, status symbol. We have to let God judge the hearts of people. Uh, it creates a very negative culture when we create." up. I'm spiritual, you're carnal type of, 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 of church culture. That, that, that kills the possibility of having a, um, a church where everyone is welcome. Uh, so if you have never fasted before, uh, you are just as, as important in your fast as someone who's gone on uh, extended fasts. And so my, my challenge to all of you is this. We're going into 12, uh, excuse me, seven days of prayer and fasting. Preston, you can come on. Um, and I want you to find something you can do. There's the fast that I often talk about. There is the Jewish fast, which is you fast uh, until sundown. That is a Jewish fast. You can take uh, a few days of next week and, and do a, a Jewish fast. There's also the Daniel fast, or what some people refer to as the no pleasant bread. Um, eat all of the vegetables and uh, salad without dressing uh, that you would like. It's just unpleasant bread. Um, eat for strength, but uh, don't eat things you like. Eat something that'll keep you from, if you have, uh, say like diabetes and you have problems with blood sugar, that's probably the best kind of fast for you to do where you're eating uh, and you're able to regulate your your your, your, your sugar, um, but it's not something you enjoy. Um, also fast that you can do is, is, is referred to by some people as a temple fast where you're treating your body as the temple of the Lord. And so you would uh, very much similar to a no pleasant bread. You eat very very healthy. Don't let yourself have anything. And um, some way of disciplining them yourself. Uh, the goal of fasting is not health, but it is very, very healthy. Now, this past week, CNN had a huge story uh, called, Is Fasting the Fountain of Youth? And I think there was six or seven scientific studies referenced about how fasting has a tremendous effect on uh, on our lifespan. You can almost double the lifespan of a rat by making it fast every other day. I have no desire to be a rat, just so you know. <laughs> but I want you to see, it is a very healthy thing for you. Uh, they also did a study I read in that, that same article um, where they took two groups of people and one group of people, they gave them a certain set amount of calories a day. They ate so many calories a day. And uh, they... 
another group of people, they gave them the exact same amount of calories. So two different control groups, A and B, they're both getting the same amount of calories per week. But on one control group, they put them on a 5-2 schedule. So they fasted two days and then ate the same amount of calories in five days that the other group was eating over seven. And they tested, this is in that article on CNN, uh, you can search it, is fasting the fountain of youth. Uh, And the group that fasted two days a week, their insulin response improved dramatically, their a ratio, if I remember correctly, of healthy fat to unhealthy fat. I have lots of healthy fat, in case you were wondering. <laughs> uh, anyway, um, um, that went up. And thirdly, they lost their, the, the distribution of fat on their body chains. They lost fat in their, their midsection. Um, and, and the same amount of calories, but they came, became much healthier. There is a health benefit to fasting. That's not why we do it. We need to be spiritual. We have a city to influence. We have people to reach. We have a gospel to share. We have people to love whether or not they ever become Christians. We don't lose our testimony if they don't become a Christian. That's why charity never fails. They still know there's something different about Christian people. We have a work to do. We have young kids to minister to. We have students to minister to. We have children. We have adults. We have people in crisis. We have people facing mental health issues and fighting depression and going through divorces. And we need an apostolic move of God. And so as a church, we're going to be hungry for the touch of the Lord in our life. Would you stand with me right now? Lord Jesus, we are your people. We're the sheep of your pasture. Lord, help us to pursue the presence of God in our life. Help us as individuals to be very spiritual, not to be content to just kind of have a Christian label placed upon us. We've got to pray, Lord. We've got to give. Thank you for listening to First Church Charlotte. If you're in the Charlotte, North Carolina area, worship with us at 4929 North Sharon Amity Road. For information about service times, church ministries, and so much more, visit us online at firstchurchclt.com. If you would like to support our efforts, text GIVE to 704-445-5353. We pray God's richest blessings to you. Come worship with us.